Here's a cool fact. A crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Another cool fact, you can get short-term health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans are designed for people who are between jobs, coming off their parents' plan, or turning a side hustle into a full-time gig. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. Get more cool facts about United Healthcare short-term plans at uh1.com. Hey there, welcome to Warrior U. Join retired Special Forces Officer Bram Connolly as he explores resilience, mental toughness, high-performing habits and other aspects that are required to develop a warrior mindset. Warrior U, it's the performance edge. Hey everyone, it's Bram Connolly here, retired Special Forces Operator and Officer with over 20 years in the Australian Army. Just before we launch into today's show, I want to tell you a little bit about the Warrior U program that forms the basis of the Warrior U website. The program has been designed to help anyone aspiring to join the Australian Defence Force. There's a tailored fitness program based on simple movements that ensures you get from zero to hero in the time frame that you have available. There's lessons on military skills and culture. Lessons are self-paced and there are quizzes to help reinforce the learning. Some of the topics include weapon types, navigation theory, survival, And there's fieldcraft lessons too, just to name a few. There's also a mental resilience block of training. The main aspect of the program though is the access to mentors who've either held positions within the Defence Force recruiting or recruit or officer instructors and even some Special Forces selection staff. So no matter what you want to do in the ADF, we have a mentor to assist and provide advice. There's a one-off payment of $99 for the complete program. Check out the website on www warrioru.com.au That's warrior and the letter U. Now, to introduce today's sponsor and then our guest. This week's episode is sponsored by SWORD, Special Operations Research and Development. So, I should say up front that I know the founder of SWORD. We were in the Tactical Assault Group together. In fact, we were in the same team during our CT training. And in the years that followed, much of the load-carrying equipment that I trusted in some of the harshest places on Earth was supplied by SWORD. It's no stretch to say that this equipment is built by operators for operators. Actually, come to think of it, my first ever plate carrier was SWORD, and at one stage, probably every piece of field kit that I carried had been purchased either by myself or the unit. Check out the website, and by using the code WARRIOR, you can receive 10% off the listed price on any item. That's 10% off just by using the code WARRIOR. Yeah, Pete's good. Uh, my, my nickname in the army was Irish. Yeah. And the branding, the brand I go off now is Bad Tourist. Yeah. What's, what's, the, what's that about? What's the br- Bad Tourist branding about? So Bad Tourist, they were, when I got to the battalion in 97, 
the bad tourists were Charlie Company to where are there. And they had just done a Malaysia trip in, in uh, 96. And apparently they caused a hell of a muckus over there, you know, a hell of a, hell of a shit fight. And uh, so I got to the battalion as this new lid and they were sort of calling themselves the bad tourists from this Malaysia trip. So it didn't originally come from me, it came from them. I just sort of, I spent a few, I spent a few years in Charlie Company Tour AR and sort of, it was a really good platoon. It was one of those platoons that you sort of, the blokes are, are your mates for life, mm. even 20 odd years later. Mm. Being a section commander and being a platoon sergeant, I still connect with those guys the most. Yeah. That's, you know, that's, so. That's, that's, that's pretty cool. Yeah. And, yeah. and so Pete. Peter O'Hanlon, <laughs> Irish, <laughs> Irish bad tourists. Fucking. What, what about some of the? Go with, what, are, what are some of the names of the actors you've played? It's it's been difficult. The industry is hard because or it's like extra three. A movie, big, um, big dude. Yeah, a movie won't sell if they don't know who you are. Yeah. So the roles I've played are mostly soldier roles. You know, mercenary type, policemen, bodyguards, prison guards. Those sort of that backgroundy type roles. Yeah, cool. Let's not get into them yet. Let's not get into them yet. Otherwise, everyone will be like, yeah. "Oh shit!" Yeah. So yeah, tell me about tell me about your military service. When when did you join up? Nineteen ninety six was it? July ninety seven. July ninety seven. I, I joined in yeah. um to Kapuka. I think it was three months back then. Then went to went and did Singo. and from Singo I went up to two R E R. So I got to. Got to the second battalion in 1998. 90, yeah. And um, 99 was in effect. Boom. So straight into it. Yeah, I was uh, sort of one year in the battalion. Yeah. And uh, I was the gunner, carried the 58. Nice. Did you, did, did you, were you there on that yeah. skirmish on the bridge where? Skirmish on the bridge. No, there was a, there was a lot of, there was a lot of different stuff going on at that time. We were, our very first task was we got off the Herc. We went to ground. I remember going to ground with the 58. And just before I went to ground, my platoon sergeant said, my 2IC said to me, Irish, load up that machine gun because if we get off this this plane and they start shooting at us, I want you with four 500 rounds in that 58. And I'm like, yep, yeah, no worries. Then my sergeant straight after my 2IC said this goes, Irish, take all those rounds off that weapon and only have four on it under the feed feed cover so that they don't see us as intimidating. So <laughs> on this new digger, I'm just going, my two OCs telling me to load up and my platoon sergeant is telling me to take rounds off. So yeah. people don't realise how how sort of you know how high fueled that was, you know, because we were oh, was, we weren't yeah. sure if the well I'm assuming you guys weren't sure if the Indonesians were going to put up a big fight or not. Well, we were getting told. We were getting news updates, battalion updates, plus also updates from the media and stuff before it was happening. We were getting told that they were going to, you know, chop our heads off. They were going to cut us up and show us on the news. They were they were going to do all these horrific things to us. And they actually did it to a, to a New, New Zealand soldier, the poor bugger. But, um, yeah, it was, it was quite a scary time with all their bravado that they were talking mm. but once we were on the ground the situation changed and you know they were on the back foot mm. so mm. but before we got there 
they were really talking up. They were going to, you know, kill an Australian soldier every day so that they could, you know, show that we we weren't supposed to be there and all that. Sort yeah, there was stuff. a definite. There was a definite. As a nineteen-year-old kid, you yeah. know, I remember I remember calling my dad on the phone and, you know, saying, "This is it. I'm going." Yeah, you know, this was the biggest thing since Vietnam. Yeah, yeah, it was a it was so, a big deal back then. That's for sure. And and I think yeah. that there was a um. Yeah, there was a lot of stuff going on behind the scenes politically that were that was seeing you know a safe passage, but we probably weren't to know that, were we? You know that there was that sort of stuff no. going on. So you did you did was, the, um, you did the you did a, yeah. you did the interfet tour, then 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 what? Back to the battalion and and ready for the next. Yeah, bit. then I went back to back to two RAR and I did another tour. I did another tour with two RAR under the United Nations. Mm. Uh, completely different tour to the first one. Mm. It was under the UN, so we were quite restricted in what we did, what we could do. wasn't much action, wasn't much happening. It was more of a policing type tool. Mm. You know, it, it had changed slightly. So I, I'd seen Timor, the growth of East Timor from Inafet days mm. when it was just burning, burning streets and mm. huts and dead people mm. to the Inafet where it was more the Timorese were coming back from Indonesia mm. back into East Timor, you know, so we were sort of providing the security for that. Yeah. Yeah. So what, what was that? That was in the, that was 2002 or three, was it? Yeah. I think it was about 2002. Yeah. 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 Cool. Then what after that? Around that time. Promotion um, courses. Then after that, then I went to, then I got promoted to Lance Corporal and straight to Corporal. I went down to Aubrey Wodonga as a instructor mm. there at a mill skills, uh, at a mill skills thing for sort of infantry tactics for the IETs there who were doing their medical and engineer training, I think it was. And oh, because yeah. their wait was so long between courses, mm. they come straight out of Kapuka and they didn't want them to lose any sort of any sort of infantry mindset or those basic skills. So we were there to sort of keep make them retain those basic skills. It's a good idea. And then uh, one day the CEO of the, the unit called us up and said, Rightio, guys, you've been dismantled. Every one of you are going to Kapuka as instructors. If you don't like it, get the fuck out of the army. No way. <laughs> yep, that's what he said to it. And it was on a Sunday. So he came great, great called leadership. us in on a Sunday. Great leadership. He said, right, yeah. Yeah, great leadership. If you don't like it, get the fuck out. Nice. So, and and a couple of boys put in their discharge, and I was like, my the, brother was up there at the time. He I wonder was the chief at Kapuka, so I I had spoken to him previously about what it was like up there. Yeah, and he he was saying, get up here, you know, it's great yeah, for your yeah. career, it's good. So, when the CEO said that, I, I wasn't too phased. I was like, okay, it's yeah, got to wonder. I was already though. in an instructional posting anyway. You got to wonder like, what the no. chief of army would think of knowing that a commanding officer is saying shit like that to soldiers like they're, <laughs> yeah. not, they're not your oh, soldiers mate, to the, kick some out stuff mate. that goes on yeah yeah like i love the army but you know so kapuka kapuka and then and then and then what yeah so i did uh did time at kapuka as an instructor then i went to then i got posted to six rar as a section commander and then i did a tour of east timor oh, as wow. a section commander which was really good so i seen it from their interfet where it all first kicked off. Then I seen that under the United Nations, under Untayet. And then I went back there as a section commander under uh, Office Student, I believe it was, 2006. 
just to see the changes over those that time was was really uh, eye opening. Yeah, it must must and have been unbelievable. The two thousand and six time was was actually, although it was different to Interfed, it was really full on because there was this political fight going on between all these different parties, and there was this just this unrest because everyone had come back into East Timor during the uh, Untaet days, and now it was like fighting for power during the Opposite days. So I got to see it all. I got to see the development of this country once we had sort of got in there. It was yeah. pretty good. That is cool. And did yeah. you did no, you good. did you go to Iraq or Afghanistan or anything like that with a unit? No, unfortunately, uh, one of my biggest military regrets is I never got to never got to go to Afghanistan or Iraq. Just the career path, you know. Once I once Opposite finished, I got promoted to platoon sergeant. Went back to one RER and that's basically when I pulled the pin. I was having family issues and the morale was low and I was just sort of losing losing that. Um, I'd done everything. The things I wanted to achieve in the Army was a section commander on ops, recruit instructor at Kapuka. Special forces was something, but I was also married at the time, so I thought I'd get to that later. And now that I'm out, Probably Afghanistan is a bit of a regret that I didn't get the chance to go. Yeah, and you and you yeah. you found that all those sort of trips sort of impacted on you, didn't it? Over the over the years, you found yourself yeah, in a shit, definitely, shit position. Definitely when impacted. Yeah, I've been out. I got out in two thousand and nine, and it took a really long time to. And I didn't go to Afghanistan or anything like that. So, you know, I only did East Timor, but just the, the time I did in the military you know, changed me, who I was as a person. I joined at 19, 20 years old. So, you know, the, the 12, 11, 12 years that I spent had sort of changed me. And when I got out, you know, I didn't have that uniform to identify myself or my family because they had left at the same time I'd got now. It was a real struggle to understand who I was without that uniform. I found that to be really difficult. Yeah, I, I say to people... You know, I, I guess I, I I say this quite a lot too. I was a lot I was too harsh on people years ago for things like, you know, the other trips other than Afghanistan and Iraq for for it knocking them around. But I, I'm starting to understand now that you know, guys, you've done, you know, one tour, or whatever. You know, it doesn't matter. Two days. You know, if you do something yeah. that takes you out of your comfort zone, you're not prepared for it. You weren't you weren't specifically prepared for that. It can knock you around. And it sounds to me like you had something similar that I see a lot of the SF guys have, which is sort of some sort of a separation anxiety type thing where they, they leave these high performing teams and they, and the armor for use of a better term is their uniform, you know, and then when they have, don't have that uniform anymore, the persona isn't there. And so they don't have that, that personality. They can't link their personality with something. You know, it's it's suddenly yeah. suddenly their personality is separate to the flip yeah. the flip flops and board shorts they're wearing isn't their personality, yeah. you know. And it's a tough my, thing to my, uh, transition. My brother was my, or my, most of my family is military. My my brother my brother was military, and he he always told me that you got to make the army first if you want to. You know, you go on out bush all the time. You go on ops. You know, you're always on course or something. So you got to make the army home and make your home your secondary and that's what I did and so the army became everything for me I was one of those soldiers that took pride in my uniform I excelled in what I did I loved everything about being a soldier so when I lost that when I didn't have that 
I lost everything that I thought I was. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. 100%. So I, I really struggled with who I was and yeah. what I was without that uniform on. Yeah, got it. Um, yeah, it was a real tough time. That's why I say to people now, you know, consider getting into the military, but, well, you know, we call it, it's a defense force over here, but I like to call it the military because we've got a lot of American listeners. Consider when you get in the military that you should be considering what you're going to do when you get out. And that might be four years down the track or it might be 20, but you should you should join with a yeah. view to leaving. Yeah, I think that's, you know, you don't think about that when you're, you're you know, you're in your 20s and you're, you, you're at the range and you got your mates and you think this is this is it, you know. All the girls are showing you attention. You're going out, you're, you're platoon, you're, you're loving life. You don't, you're not thinking about the future. No. But um, to any young any young person out there that's thinking of joining the military now, definitely say consider. You know, what are you going to do outside that? Yeah, definitely. So definitely. you found yourself sort of, and I've been, and I've been, I've been very lucky. Like it's taken me a long time, but I've found a new passion. Yeah, and um, you know, not not a lot of guys do. Yeah, not right. A lot of guys do. Yeah, and you were so when you left, what you sort of hit rock bottom at one point, right? Yeah, well, I left. Uh, so I discharged two thousand and nine. I think the beginning of two thousand and nine, and at the same time, so I was I was a platoon sergeant in when I just I just did dog squad. I ran the dog squad team, and they won the dog cup. And um, an officer came into my office and said, "You know, well done, Irish. You got the team through. They've won it." But uh, I've spoken to the CEO, and I'm going to take them to London now. To and I was like, "Hang on a second, sir. That's." I ran that that section. I, you know, I trained them up. They won it because of me. I'm going. And he's like, sorry. See, I said, so I was like, the morale at the time was shit. And I was just like, fuck this. Mm. And um, at the same time, I was going home. So I was getting shit put on me at the, on the barracks. And then I was going home and the wife was putting shit on me and saying she's going to leave me and all this crap. So I had these two battles going on and, so I discharged from the army and then I got divorced at the same time. So I lost this massive part of my life and then I lost this other massive part of my life all in one day, gone. And I was just, I was back home. So I gone from a platoon sergeant, married with kids, to living back at mum and dad's house in a bedroom without my wife and kids with no money. That sucks. At 30-something years old. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, and with, with depression and anxiety and, you know, and then, yeah. and then, how did how did this all come about? What was the journey to get to here, Irish? Oh, mate, it was a tough one. So I spent the first few years fighting to see my kids, and that's all I focused on. There was it wasn't the best, it wasn't the best separation, and um, you know I spent a lot of time. You know, if I couldn't be in the army, I wanted to be the best dad I could, and everything I tried, I just couldn't be that dad. So I started to think to myself, "Hang on a second, you're a bloody warrior." You're you're a soldier, you know. You can't give up. You can't stop. You know, you come from this, you know, place of alpha males. You know, you're. So I thought, you know what? I can. I don't have to go through her to see my kids. I can go around her. And the way to do that is to become the person that I want them to see them me to be. You know what I mean? So I want them to see the things that I'm doing and the person I am in a way that she can't control. And that's how I, and I started to think like that. I started to think, well, I can do this and have an influence on them and they can see that this is their dad or my mates who are struggling can see that 
you know, they're warriors too and they can do this. And I just started thinking in a positive way instead of a negative way. There was so much talk on the veteran community about depression and all this stuff about getting out was all negative. And I was like, where's the positivity in this? Where's the, where's the person who's fighting back? I mean, we're all warriors. Like, let's be warriors. Yeah. And that's, that was my motivation. Yeah, I completely get that. I get, I get very little pushback on having positive veteran sort of, you know, narrative. I, yeah. You know, I, I call out people who slander veterans and I, and I quite often call out, you know, veterans who are blooming, making it bad for themselves, you know, because sometimes they just need to, someone to grab them by the collar and shake them and go, listen, dude, yeah. you need to sort yourself out. And, and this isn't the people who are really up against it either. Like the, you won't hear from them. You know, we've got yeah. to reach them in other ways, you know, more meaningful, more meaningful ways. But, yeah. you know, the people who just complain about everything, you know, they're everywhere. Oh, you see it all the time. You, they're constantly complaining and I'm just like, you know, what happened to you guys? And I, and I see a lot of them in there. I, I used to look up to these guys in the battalion, in, you know, in um, support company or wherever and who, who went off to special forces and I see them now and they're just, they're shells of themselves, you know, they're, they're overweight, they're unfit. And I'm thinking, you used to be this this warrior. Like they used to look up to you. And then and then just because you got out, you stopped that. But that's not my personality. My personality's always been that, that soldier personality. And just because I'm out doesn't mean I'm not gonna continue it. It just means I'm gonna find another avenue to to use it. Yeah. I, I honestly think there's something to be had for having a positive mindset and and for, you know, veterans. You know, and the whole veteran just saying that, like, I don't want it to define me for the rest of my life being a veteran, you know. Um, nah. But at the same time, people who've been in the military before and been on operations and that should stick together and support each other the best we can and, you know, and all, and all, you know. but that's that's just everyone in society. It's not just veterans, you know, but anyway. Yeah. So, yeah, no, so, so, you know, what, what was the break that you had? How did that happen? It was funny, I was. You know, I'd, I'd spent so much time alone thinking and I spent these years once I got out. I did mixed martial arts. I, I tried that. I, I got into CrossFit, you know, I sort of was making my way up the CrossFit ladder and I was just doing all these things but nothing was nothing was giving me. I'd go home and I'd still feel that depression, you know. And I was walking up the beach one day. I used to do these walks every day just to kill time and it would be like nine, ten hours just walking, just thinking. And one day I sat down and I thought, what am I going to do? I've got to do something. I was thinking about doing any piracy. I was thinking about going and becoming a mercenary and sort of crazy, crazy shit. And I was looking up my phone and this ad came up for an extra in a movie down the Gold Coast. And I thought, you know what, it's one day. I'll go down there. I'll get out of my comfort zone. Been a recluse too long. I'll go down there. And it was for a football team. They wanted you to dress up and just be in the crowd. And I thought, pretty basic. I'll sit in the crowd and we'll see what goes on. And this was something that I'd been searching for because it was something I did before I joined the Army and it was something I'd lost in the Army. But in that process, once I got out, I'd sort of reconnected with it. Oh, this is something I used to like, you know. So I went down to the Gold Coast. I introduced myself and he goes, oh, the guy who I introduced myself to was like the casting guy. And he's like, oh, you're Peter, you're the ex-Army guy. I never knew. Yeah. One size fits all seemed like a good idea for clothes. Nice dress. Uh, it's a it's a t-shirt. 
until you tried it on. Same goes for your healthcare. That's why United Healthcare offers a variety of flexible, budget-friendly coverage for medical, vision, dental, and more. So whether you're between jobs, coming off a parent's plan, or even missed open enrollment, you can find the plan that fits you best. Find out more about United Healthcare coverage at uh1.com. That's uh1.com. Yes, no worries, mate. Take a seat. So I went into this sort of auditorium, and there's about three or four hundred people, and I was like, oh yeah, no worries. You know, kept to myself, sat down, and this big guy comes in and he gives the brief about you know food and fire and all this sort of stuff, and he walks down the corridor and he's just looking left and right, left and right, as he's walking past people. And then he stops at me and he goes, you Peter? And I went, yep. And he goes, come with me, mate. And I went, rightio. <laughs> and all these people are just staring at me going, where are you going, mate? <laughs> I don't know. And uh, next thing he goes, listen, Pete, we've got some army scenes coming up next week. We want you involved in them. Chuck on a football uniform. We want to put you on the field as one of the football players. Next minute, I'm in this football outfit. I'm hanging around the stars, you know, I've got the camera in my face. I'm going, this is awesome. I feel alive again. This is great. And then the week after that, I was helping with the military. I had my uniform back on. Brilliant. But it was in a different capacity, you know. I was was teaching these people about soldiering and it was, you know, I felt that life again. I felt life was enjoyable again for the first time in a long time. And they paid you. Not for that one. No. I was doing uh, I was doing eighteen hour days, and it was and it was all volunteer. The amount of time, the amount of times I hear that about you yeah. know you just got to, and guys have to understand this. You know, you get you get out. Sometimes you have to work from the bottom up again. Like if yeah. you you know yeah, just you find do, you do the, find this something. industry's established. It's got its people, and and once I entered it, I was at the bottom. Yeah, yeah, that's cool. So, and then, and where yeah, and, and where are you now? You're doing all right. Now I'm doing now I'm doing all right. <laughs> uh-huh. So now I'm uh I've I'm doing really well. I've, it's funny. I, I've I'm, got, I'm, I'm I'm trying yeah. I'm trying at the moment. I've got a I've got a few actors who I'm sort of courting for to try and get my first book turned into a into a movie. And I've got yeah I've got I've been annoying Dan McPherson. I'm sure he's so sick of my shit. <laughs> <laughs> but um, mate, I got some. Pe- I got some you, people you can talk to. We'll talk, we'll talk after. You'd be a perfect JJ to his Matt Ricks, but anyway, um, <laughs> not that. Yeah, nah. Mind you, Paul Kale would probably have to fight you for it himself. It's all. Uh, it's all connections. It's like it's it's your work ethic. It's your personality, mm. and it's connections. If you're a good bloke, mm. if you are a lot of blokes, you're fine. Will try and get in front of the camera mm. and. They don't like those type of guys. So as an extra, I knew my role was just to be background. Yeah. Um, let the stars let the stars do their thing. And my job was not to be seen. And do you remember that show? Just, do you remember that show what's, that the ABC uh, BBC put out called The Extras with oh da- David God. Brent? <laughs> so fucking good. Me and, oh, me and a couple of mates were talking about doing our own sort of show like that. You should totally do it. Oh, like, God, like the other God, day. It was good. Oh, you don't mind the camera either. Like the other day when you did that. In, that it was uh, Ricky Javaris or something. Wasn't Ricky Javaris, yeah. yeah. My favourite was Kate Winslet playing the slutty nun. I reckon I replayed that about 10 times. <laughs> did you Did you see the one I put up tonight? I haven't yet. I'm, I always I just, I look forward. I just put up another one. I like the one where you were like, yeah, when you came out of the bushes going, oh, yeah, you know, I'm going, going bush. <laughs> and then I was expecting you to be in front of a KFC or something like that. 
yeah, that's good. That's good. No. I, so, do you think? Yeah. Do you think that? And 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 there's some parallels between. I'm drawing some parallels between yourself and myself here because I, I found myself working in the headquarters for Special Operations Command, right? And and yeah. I was, and I loved it. I was I was working in international engagement. And I used to do these. 20, 30 page briefs for the generals and sometimes they were PowerPoint slide decks and stuff like that. And I remember being, I remember feeling really satisfied at the end of these PowerPoint presentations, right? And then I get out of the military, yeah. get out of the military. And then, then I wrote that first book and I had that same feeling. And then I realized yeah. that my whole military career, I'd been creative and hadn't realized it. Yeah. And it wasn't until I got out yeah. and started and I naturally gravitated towards being creative. Yeah. Like well, that's the podcast, thing. I've, written, same, I've yeah. written a book as well. I just haven't had it published like yours, but you know, definitely one day I want to get it published. Oh but. man, the amount of people that say to me, "I've written a book," and I'm like, "What?" and the ex ex army guys, <laughs> and I'm like, "Jesus, really? Well, bloody, yeah, go and go and get a publisher, get, you know? get it like, done, do it, get it yeah. done." No, but um, yeah, no, I, I, and so. it's the same with this podcast. It's another creative outlet. No, oh, it's it's so creative, yeah. and, and your books, your books are amazing, and, and the awesome. platform you've given you've given us to speak on is, is awesome. So they're not. Pulitzer Prize. They're not, you know, they're not amazing. They're uh, they're rubbish. But uh, but it's good fun. But it's good. But it's good fun. I mean, if Dan McFerson's listening, they're fucking. Have, mate. You, they're seen, have you seen my movies? I shoot a sixty-six with a UFO, mate. Come on. Oh really? <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, so so after the after that first after that first sort of break and eighteen-hour days and not getting paid and everything, what was your first paid gig and how how did that feel? Yeah, it felt good. Between that and the first paid gig, I did a lot of a lot of uni student films just to get comfortable in front of the camera. I would do a lot of my own stuff just to get good in front of the camera. Cause everyone was telling me I had to do these, you know, 40 week long theatrical actors courses, 10, $20,000. And I was like, you know what, if I'm going to play a soldier or a merc or a, you know, a bodyguard, I said, I don't, I've had 12 years experience of being a badass. Like I know how to, how to be a soldier. It's it's like on set. The movie I'm doing now, I've got myself plus six other ex infantry guys who I've brought along set, and they're getting stunt guys to do the bloody stunts. And I'm like, these infantry guys have been they've been to friggin' Afghanistan. Like they've seen more shit than your stunt guys could ever bloody imagine. But you know, politics says that they have to have a stunt guy there, so. I'm assuming that some of that is safety and 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 the like. And I know I know a couple of stunt guys. You might know John Isles, actually. He yeah, I've heard I've heard of John. Yeah, and and it's 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 a very niche industry. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm sure I'm sure it's it's the same as the whole military, you know, the whole military advisor to the movies and stuff like that. They're getting a bit of bang for their buck with you there, though. Yeah, well, that's what I'm doing now. I've been I've been asked to be a military advisor, so. I'm really stepping up who I know, who I am in the industry. I'm getting great credits. I'm getting to know who's who in the zoo. So I did a documentary, uh, the John Monash documentary in France for the France War Museum, War Memorial. I was a big part of that. And that was that was amazing, like just to be a part of that. I asked to be in it as well. So I was working on it in the art department and then I said, oh, listen, this is a really big deal for me. Can I have a short role in it? And the director was like, yeah, Pete, go and check on an Aussie uniform, you know. Every single uniform wouldn't fit me, you know. I was, I'm sitting at about 108 kilos. <laughs> and back then, you know, you know, the guys weren't that big. So I had to put on this bloody German uniform. So I'm in it, but I'm playing a German still. 
<laughs> but yeah, so but my first paid role, I did a I did a it was funny. The movie's called Escape and Evasion, and it's about a guy. It's about a a guy who comes back from war, and something happens to one of his friends, uh, Blue on Blue, and he's he basically goes back to find out what happened. So I'm on the bus with this guy and we're heading out the set and he sits next to me. Now, this is the main actor and he introduces himself and I said, g'day, I'm Pete. And we sort of, it's about a half hour to get out and sit. And so we start talking and he's sort of asking about my background and I'm saying, oh, yeah, I'm an ex-infantry soldier, you know, I've been in Timor and I did all this and did all that. And he's going, oh, so you, so I'm basically playing you in this movie. I was like, yeah, mate. So he's like, we did this pub scene and, I was this bikey, some girl comes in and, you know, we sort of give her the eye and sort of tell him to fuck off. And our next thing, he kicks her, kicks her ass. He said, he's like, he said to me on the way, how the fuck do they want me to kick your ass? You're about twice my size, mate. How are they going to make that realistic? <laughs> yeah, how am I going to kick your ass? It's the magic of Hollywood. But, uh, Speaking of Hollywood, yeah. is, is Hollywood beckoning Hollywood. for you, you reckon? Let's just say I'm doing two movies at the moment. One of them's an Australian-based film. One of them's a Hollywood film. What's the what's the so, industry like in Australia? Is it healthy? I'm pretty low in the rankings at the moment. I'm still working my way up. From what I've seen, there's a lot of there's a lot of politics involved. There's a lot of there's not a lot of encouragement mm. for for people who are making movies. Yeah. The movie I I was in, there were people on IMDb, which is the International Movie Database who are basically smashing it, who we suspected were a group of from another film company to try and bring the ratings down. Now, whether that's true or not, I don't know. Mm. But you'd see scores of 10, you'd see scores of 1. So there's this vast difference in, in, in these reviews, you know. So Yeah, it's funny. Um, it's like all media, all media in Australia is, you know, I don't know, it feels like it's 10, 15 years behind the US in a lot of ways and controlled by people who, who think they know the formula and they do, they know the formula to keep themselves wealthy. But I look at the UK and I look at some of the stuff that comes out of the UK, you know, channel four stuff and especially with special forces sort of celebrities and, and how well they are revered by the local, you know, by yeah. their community. And then they come up with, and even in America, like my mate Mike Glover's put together this thing for um, discovery channel, you know, whether they're field test, awesome kit. And they're just people who are like, Oh, this is a great idea. This is really, you know, revolutionary, and this will this will get so many people. But here in Australia, you put anything up, and it sort of like yeah. gets beaten down straight away. It's, no one's yeah. got any vision, or if they do have vision, there's no, there doesn't seem to be any desire to try anything a little bit different outside the norm here. Yeah, or maybe there's no budget. The sad thing is, we've got some of the best people in the world, as in crew wise, like some of the best. Some Hollywood comes here and hires our people. Mm. So we, we've got the talent and we've got the people to make some really good movies. Why they're not being made, I don't know. A director called Luke Spark, he's, he's sort of really stepping out and starting to do it. Mm. Uh, he's making some amazing progress. I'm writing this down, um, Luke Spark. There's a, new, there's a new company called Extra Specialists who are hiring ex-veterans to be specialists in military-style movies so that these movies have, you know, the professionalism. That's cool. So we're slowly starting to build this. We just got to get through this dogma and this, 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 you know, negativity that's here in Australia, as you were saying. Yeah. So what's what's up for you next? 
Oh, mate, once I, once I finish these two meetings, I'm off to, I got my section commander from Innofit. Him and I are getting together and we're going to go climb Kilimanjaro together. Mm. Uh, hopefully our, um, our bodies hold up still and then um, come that? back from that. Who is it? Who's that guy? Do I know him? Kamal Nakia, he's uh, X2O. He's my, he was my section commander for Innofet. Cool. Um, awesome. Fiji and Indian bloke. So, yeah, we sort of catch up every now and again. I've got another really good mate. He was my 2IC in Innofet, Dave Noble, ex-commando. You might know him, ex-4RL uh, guy. Uh, I know the name. Yeah, he was he was down in 4. He went to, he did a couple of tours of the GAN. So trying to get him over there as well to do the, to do the Killy trip with us. And once I've done that, mate, I just I just hope the industry gives me a chance. As I was saying to you before, the name sells movies. You know, they aren't going to put a poster up with Peter O'Hanlon at the moment because no one knows who I am. Mm. So they'll hire, they'll hire someone for the name even if they don't suit the part mm. because the name will sell the movie. Yeah. So what you want but, to do is get – you want to get a, a good solid position next to a good actor – so that you can, yeah, yeah, that's pretty cool. I see how that works. And I've met some amazing, there's some really amazing actors out there. Tamora Morrison, old school once warriors, he was Django Fett in Star Wars. He's a really humble, really admi- uh, uh, someone I look up to. Aaron Jeffries, he's another one. Mm. He was an underbelly chopper, he played chopper recently in the underbelly. He's another amazing actor who's uh, really humble down to earth and he's guiding me. You know, and so I've got people like that around me who I sort of align myself with, and I watch them and I observe them and I and I see what they do and I, you know, and I sort of try and follow their path. What would you What would you do if it all had to kick off again? And you know, the way that it, the way you had to leave, how would you plan leaving? And 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 even the you know what happened with the divorce and everything. Would you do things completely differently now? Uh, it's hard to say, mate, because I. I love what I'm doing now and I don't think I don't think if it happened the way it happened, I would be doing this. The thing that uh, I am missing is my children. I don't have a relationship with them because of the separation. So I suppose I'd have to put them as number one. And if I was in the army still, I think we still would have got divorced. I would just be I would have got my Afghanistan trips. But I'd probably be out now anyway. And I'd probably still be divorced. So that was inevitable. It just took a while to find this, so I think I think it's turned out okay. I think I, it's just it just took a while. And what what advice would you have for any guys who are thinking about getting out in the next sort of six months to a year? Like, how would you, you know, what advice would you give to those guys or girls? Uh, get, your, get yourself a good advocate. Don't become a recluse. You know, find your passion whilst you're in. Maintain your individualness. Stay connected to the outside world. Don't become too militarized even though it's hard because you are away all the time. And Man, you are, that is an awesome you point. You do have to make you do have to make that job your, your first job. Yeah. So you try and stay connected to the outside world. Like you, I joined at 17, so didn't have any. Yeah, you were 17 as well, weren't you? Or 19? 17. Or, 19. Yeah. Probably. So I was 17 the day I, the, when I joined and I'd, I ended up not having any civilian friends that weren't army for nearly 20 years. <laughs> you know, and, yeah, that's, wow. and like you say, yeah. keep try to keep some civilian links if you can to the outside world because it's hard to create even now i don't i don't necessarily identify with people who weren't military i find it difficult like i had i had had coffee today with a with someone you know who was a navy seal 
and he's been out for yeah, he's been out for eighteen years. But the fact that he was a Navy SEAL and I, and we've never met before, the fact that he was a SEAL commander and I was yeah. you know a major in SF, we like you know hit it off straight away. Whereas I can yeah you know yeah. I can go and have coffee with someone who I've met through whoever is a civvy like as part of work, yeah. and I got we're just like looking out the window drinking coffee. I've got no, yeah. I've got nothing. That's like uh, that's like on set, mate. I've you know with a couple of the boys straight away. It's like we're talking shit straight away. You know, it's like. Even though I never met them in, in the battalions or I just know they've got the similar background to me. So we just hit it off straight away. I met this guy on this set of this movie recently and, and we've become really good friends. Never met each other before, but we've both got that background together. But I'll go, I'll go on some sets and it'll all be civilian and they just won't talk to me or they just, they're, they're so standoffish, they're so awkward, they're so, you know, frightened of, to do anything or say anything and I'm just like, Man, it's so different. It's so You're, such a different reality to what we're used to. You are a big unit. <laughs> I am. I, I'm covered in taps, and I'm, I'm a big unit. So and and maybe, maybe that's have, why they stand off you. You have thirty thousand more followers than me on Instagram. Oh, really? Yeah, you you bastard. <laughs> and and thirty and thirty thousand of those are women. I noticed. Oh, mate, that's no mistake, like 95%, is it? Ninety-five percent American single mums. <laughs> <laughs> not such a bad thing. Do you find it'd be great if they were in Australia, but they're all in America. They're all like sending me marriage proposals saying, Oh, do you ever come to Dallas? Do you ever come to Texas? I'm like, sorry, sweetie, halfway around the world. Yeah, so at least you've at least you've laid the groundwork for when you hit it big in Hollywood, mate. Mate, I'm doing the work. I'm doing the work. So do you still do you still find I mean you you're so you are quite prolific on on social media. Is that does that have to be all part of are you you're like you're running all your own branding and I assume that you're doing that because you're required to do it if you want to. Yeah, it, it was it was really difficult at the start because I am I would class myself as an introverted individual. The military is what taught me to stand out. You know, once I put that military hat on, I can be authoritative, I can be a soldier, I can be commanding. So I just go into that mode. And to put myself out there on this Instagram was uncomfortable. And I knew that uncomfortability gives you growth. So the only way I could get out of this depression and this sadness that I was in was to grow. And the biggest thing for me was to be extroverted in a way and put myself out there. So everything I'm doing is very uncomfortable for me. So people see it and they go, oh, Irish has done another video. Irish has taken his shirt off on Instagram or whatever. But to me, that's really uncomfortable. You know, but every time I do it, it it's I'm growing. So, and I, I think people don't grow enough. I think they stay in their comfort zones, and I think if you stay in your comfort zone, you're never gonna you're never gonna grow. Yeah, I heard a great comment from a guy I'm friends with now. We interviewed him here a while ago, and he said, you know, it's none of your business what anyone else thinks of you. You know, and I think that's yeah. fantastic. You know, if you're true to yourself, yeah. then you can live the best life. You know, who gives a shit what anyone thinks anyway? You know, just do your own thing. And oh, that's that's another big lesson I learned. I started not giving a fuck what people think. I used to get upset when girls would reject me. I used to get upset when people didn't like what I did. Now I'm like, you know what? This is I get one opportunity. I'm on this earth for 75 to 90 years if I'm lucky. So you know what? I don't give a fuck. I'm going to do what I want the way I want it. As long as I'm not hurting anyone, what I'm doing, then I'm going to do what I want to do. Yeah. And what about growth as an actor? Do you do a little bit of training now? Do you do stuff that, that keeps you sort of 
you know, looking towards the next thing? Yeah, so I've done a, I've done, I did a 17 week Meissner course, which was really beneficial. I find I'm more comfortable with method acting because of my army background. I just sort of go into that character and I can play sort of any role in that character. So it's sort of like going back to Kapuka where I had to get up in front of recruits and give lessons. So I just, I just go into that mode and, but I just then put on an actor's, an actor's voice or whatever. I'm doing my videos. I'm doing videos on Instagram. I'm doing videos on Facebook. I've got, I'm doing two movies at the moment. I'm getting messages from producers. I got a message from a producer in Orlando, Florida to do a commercial. So they were, they were going to fly me over there and everything like that, but it just conflicted with the current things I'm doing at the moment. So I couldn't do that. I got asked to be on The Bachelor. Uh, I got asked to be on Survivor. So, you know, it's, it's, it's starting to get to that point where I don't have to search so much. It's starting to come to me. But still, I'm still looking for that one big role. So once I get that one big role, then hopefully I've pushed the rock at the top of the hill and it's going to roll down the other side. Yeah. Nice. I'm still pushing the rock up the hill a little bit. Nice, mate. That's good. I wish yeah. you all the best, Irish. And I'm going to throw some challenges out your way on Instagram. I'm going to do some movies and see if I'm, see what you think of my acting. <laughs> mate, I'll have to, I'll have to be the uh, main character in your book movie. <laughs> you can be one of the characters. I think I've already lined someone up as a main character. I'm not sure Matt Ricks. Would, yeah. I'm not sure. I think you're too big for Matt Ricks, mate. He's not. He's <laughs> not meant. He's not meant to be able to kick everyone's ass. Yeah. Get me, get me in there, mate. Get me in there. Um, <laughs> all right, man. Hey, I'm going to wrap it up. Yeah, legend. Where can people find you if they want to find out more about your journey or if they want to reach out to you, especially the veterans that might want to have a word, you know, with regards to, you know, transitioning and the like? Yeah, so most of my main, uh, I do a lot of mindset coaching on my Instagram is probably the best way. Uh, and that's Bad Tourist 78. I'm on Facebook also as Bad Tourist. So either one of those or my emails are hamlinpeter31 at yahoo.com. And I get a lot of my Instagram followers who message me on email asking for mindset advice just to help them with where they're at and just sort of help them grow. So nice. and a lot of my videos, a lot of my videos show what I'm doing and it helps them grow. So I really, I really push myself in my videos to show them. No worries, man. I'll, um, I'll make my way up to Queensland and catch up with you and hang oh, out, mate. hang out and have sure some beers. Love to catch up. Awesome, man. Thanks so much, Irish. I really appreciate your time, man. No, thanks for having me. Obstacle racing is all the rage across the world. And here in Australia, we are sport for quality. If you want to test your physical and mental toughness, then get outside and compete in True Grit. It's a military-inspired obstacle course. I know it's legit because I served in Special Forces with a co-founder and managing director, Adam McNamee. And to celebrate our bromance, the good dudes at True Grit have created a discount code for listeners of this podcast. Use the code WARRIORU2019, that's WARRIORU2019, for 10% off every one of the 2019 events. And hopefully, I'll see you there wearing one of my Warrior U t-shirts. Catch you, gang. Bye. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack 
for free shipping and 365-day returns.